You are listening to a Trav Market Media podcast. Explore the network at travmarketmedia.com. Please subscribe wherever you listen so you never miss an episode. Thank you for choosing a Trav Market Media podcast. Enjoy the show. Hi, it's Megan, host of Travel Radio Podcast, a proud member of the Trav Market Media Podcast Network. Would you take a moment now to like, subscribe, and review the podcast? You can also reach me at info at travelradiopodcast.com, or you could reach the network at travmarketmedia.com. Travel professional or aspiring professional traveler, I'm so thankful you tuned in. Now, let's dig into where our ears will travel today. Now, let me welcome to the program, Katie Spratty-Joyce. Katie, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks so much for having me, Megan. I am excited to be here. Yes, will you take a minute to introduce yourself? And I should point out uh, before you introduce yourself that this is another excellent, well, okay, no, I won't say this, but you may gain her introduction from knowing that she was recommended to me from Catherine Parker Magyar. So, Katie, now, please take a moment to introduce yourself. Sure. Hi, listeners. I'm Katie. I'm a freelance travel food and beverage journalist based in the Midwest, and I write for publications you might have heard of like Eating Well, Travel and Leisure, Chilled Magazine, Condé Nast Traveler, and more. And I actually linked my portfolio in the show notes if you want to read some of my work. Um, and this year, I've been really excited to write a lot more about my home region and focus my writing on Midwestern content, which has been a super fulfilling activity during these very weird days because mm. uh, it's an often overlooked area. And I grew up in Minnesota. I now split my time between Minnesota and my new home in Omaha, Nebraska. And it's just been uh, really, really lovely to be able to kind of dig into my roots a little more this year professionally. So that is a great reason to have you on the podcast because this is the year of the road trip. And I think we're going to have a couple years of road tripping ahead of us as people regain trust in international travel and also that people are rediscovering the beauty and the hidden gems of North America and of the continental U.S. So let's uh, let me ask people or sorry, let me ask you quick where people can find you and then we will dive into today's topic. Sounds good. Um, so I would say I'm most active on Instagram and my handle there is Katie S. Joyce. So that's K-A-T-Y, S is in Sam, J-O-Y-C-E. And I do a lot of travel stuff. You'll see lots of pictures of my geriatric Black Lab Molly, who is snoring beside me. Um, I like to cook. So you, that's the kind of content you can expect from my Instagram page. <laughs> I love the dog. And if your dog barks, it's totally fine. We are dog friendly <laughs> on this program. So there you go. So, Katie, let's not beat around the bush any longer. Let's get to it. Where are we going today? So today we are going to explore four destinations in northern Michigan, which a lot of people call the tip of the mitt. So this is a very extra Midwestern thing, um, a Midwesternism, if you will. <laughs> uh, Michiganders will hold up their hand and point to where they're from on the mitt because the lower peninsula is handily shaped. Uh, see what I did there? <laughs> like <Yeah>. a mitt. <laughs> um, so these four spots that we're going to will be Traverse City, Petoskey, Beaver Island, and then probably one of the most well-known Michigan and Midwestern destinations, Mackinac Island. Yes. Yes. Uh, um, I don't, I don't know what I expected getting into the research on this, but this is really a pretty remarkable region to discover. And I think that it could be something for both families and a super romantic, like, I don't know, week or I don't know. How long would you recommend somebody take to do this trip? I did about two weeks um, and I spent, I mean, honestly, I could have spent longer in every destination, but it, you know, it is, I need to be home working too. I can't just be on the road all the time. <laughs> so I would say, you know, I would do, I would do a couple weeks if you want to do to do the four full destinations. Yeah. But if you want to just break it down into one or two, you could always do a shorter trip. You could do a long weekend and do one of them. You could do two of them and do a full week. You know, mm. there's kind of a lot of ways to pick and choose based on what you think sounds more up your alley. 
Yeah. All right. Great. So this is a region I've not spent much time in. I mean, I've been there for some weddings to see family, but never more than a day or two at a time because, you know, on, at those events, you're mostly focused on your family. So tell me about all the things that I'm missing. Is there an overarching thing the region is known for or not known for, but maybe it should be? Sure. So I would say everybody knows that Michigan has a lot of coastline because it is, you know, comprised of two peninsulas, which are is a piece of land surrounded on three sides by water. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I don't think that people, at least outside the Midwest or without ties to the area, realize how like jaw droppingly gorgeous it really is. I mean, it has like areas have big sur vibes, areas have, you know, like Hamptons vibes. It's just it's such a unique waterfront area. And when you think of waterfront states, it's like, oh, California, Florida. But mm. I swear, Michigan, the water in Michigan makes the whole region stand out. And the beauty of the lakes is just insane. Uh, it, the color of them is almost, the color of the water is almost like the Caribbean, if you're in the right spot. That's what I, I saw. Just think, yeah, it just makes it like really special. And especially in a year when outdoor travel has been a lot more popular for its natural social distancing, um, the outdoor beauty uh, of Michigan, I think, is a major, major reason why it stands out. Yeah, so I'm going to start us off if we're road tripping, you know, essentially starting off us off in the southernmost destination and then act as if we were driving up and we'll head north, kind of in that order, um, which puts Traverse City first on the list, or do you say Traverse City? Yep, it's Traverse City. Although it's very natural to say Traverse because that's how we pronounce the word. Yeah, I'm, and I'm also like realizing that I've got some things still in my brain from England that I haven't quite transitioned yet, and I'm always like, which way, <laughs> which way? <laughs> Do you want to talk about vitamins and aluminium? <laughs> no, I don't. But I was often corrected. I'm like, all oh, right, well, you might have invited the pronunciation. We improved it. It's fine. It's fine. So. <laughs> I wrote an article about that, so I'll be sure to send that to you. Okay, good. That, that'd be good. Okay, so they claim to be a destination for four seasons, and the pictures on their website, you know, on their tourism board, um, they, they do paint a pretty compelling story. So when you were able to, to go, what time was that? What season? Sure. So I was there in September, which I thought was really perfect because Northern Michigan is pretty well known as like a summer resort destination. So most of the summer crowds had dissipated by the time I was there because it was after Labor Day. Um, Mm. And I really enjoyed the hiking that time of year. I would say uh, Sleeping Bear Dunes National Lakeshore, which was just completely probably the prettiest hike I've ever taken. Um, and coincidentally, that uh, area, protected area, celebrated its 50th year this year. So oh, it was wow. an exciting time to be there. Hmm. Um, and we also hiked a lot near the Old Mission Lighthouse, which is the other peninsula um, in the Traverse City area. Uh, and I wrote an article about how you can actually stay in some of the lighthouses in that area. Oh, so cool. I'll link that in show notes. Yeah. And hmm. I just stumbled upon that when I, when I was hiking and I happened to see this adorable old man sweeping the sidewalk in front of this lighthouse. And, you know, we got to talking and he told me that he was staying there and it was his third summer in a row. And, oh, wow. you know, it, it was a really cool, cool um, thing. I didn't even know that was a thing. And now I think I've convinced my parents to, to do that next oh, summer cool. too. So. Yeah. There's one off the coast here in, um, it's in Maryland. It, uh, Solomon Point, it, the lighthouse. You can rent the gatekeeper or the lightkeeper's house. It's an Airbnb, I think. Oh, well, I guess not technically Airbnb. It's owned by the city, but it's cool. Yeah, that's a yeah. neat opportunity. Well, and I think, you know, as people stay closer to home, one of the things that's going to make it special is staying in a little non-traditional spot. So it mm. feels more like a getaway than like a hotel maybe you've already stayed at before. Mm-hmm. So I loved finding that angle. Um, and then the hiking obviously is nice because it was outside and you feel safer during COVID times. Um, yeah. And it, it g- gives you a chance to like really live and breathe the natural beauty that that I already mentioned the state is known for. I also really liked all the little towns on the lake. Like they kind of each have their own personality. Uh, Leland was probably my favorite, hmm. which is like the northern part of the Leland Al Peninsula. And they have a spot called 
fish town that is basically exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> it's like all these old fish shanties from like Lake Michigan fishing times. Yeah. But now it's this historic area and they have this famous cheese shop called the village cheese shanty. So <laughs> go get some, go get some curds, go get a sandwich. And you can kind of see like all the cool new shops that are in this historic, beautiful area. It's like a perfect mix of old and new. So that's, that's probably why. Yeah. Leland was definitely my favorite. You but know, I, um, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I spent most of my time, um, not in actually like Traverse City proper. I spent most of it on the two peninsulas that jut out into Grand Traverse Bay. So the first is the Leelanau Peninsula and the Old Mission Peninsula is the other, which you can see if you look on the map, it's kind of like the pinky of the mitt. At the pinky. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It really is. It's kind of <laughs> funny. Um, and then what I really enjoyed that was probably, Maybe like the most surprising part about my trip to Michigan was how good the wine was. So both of those Mm -hmm. peninsulas have their own AVAs, which is an American viticultural area, which if you're not familiar, it's like a federally, it's a federal designation for a special grape growing region. So like Napa would be a really famous one. Oh, okay. But Michigan actually has five AVAs. And, um, and that's, you know, there are like 250 in the whole United States, but I think the wine tasting part was my most surprising and one of my favorite parts of the trip. Now, this is what people don't know that you've disclosed to me is that if you want to ask Katie wine questions, follow along with her because she's studying to get her sommelier degree and she's getting close. So there'll be good stuff coming out in her writing. And fingers crossed, I passed my test. Yes. I mean, come on. You've got this. You're good. <laughs> uh, so what about places to stay? Uh, you know, do you have a shout out? Give somebody, throw somebody a bone. Who deserves a shout out? Sure. So I would say I stayed one night on each of the peninsulas. Um, so two totally beautiful properties. The first was Chateau Chantal on the old Mission Peninsula. And that's the smaller of the two peninsulas. Um, and, you know, driving up along the water was insanely beautiful during the times of the leaves changing, but would be pretty in all of the seasons. Hmm. And the way that the property is situated, it's really high up in the middle of that strip of land. So you can actually see water from both sides of the property, which makes it pretty for both sunrise and sunset, which is pretty unique. Mm -hmm. So I just thought it was really romantic and I was with my husband. So it was really nice. Um, and it's a bed and breakfast and a winery. So you have like vineyard views. You get a complimentary bottle of wine with your stay. The service is really charming, like B&Bs are known for. And I do have to say, this place has the best backstory of any winery I've ever been to. Okay, uh, sure. Like me? Okay, perfect. Yes. So, and uh, this I just thought was super enchanting. So a Catholic priest and a Catholic nun ended up falling in love, leaving their orders, and then decided to plant some grapes in northern Michigan. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And the rest is history. So it's just like you just feel the magic of the place. And their daughter, Marie, is now runs it, and she's Mm -hmm. a certified sommelier already. So you should plan to kind of chat with her and taste some of their wine. And they have this beautiful patio and... You know, if you don't get a chance to actually stay in the B and B because it books up pretty far in advance, sure. Um, you can at least plan to do like a wine tasting option outside. Yes. And um, one thing I wanted to add to, Michigan has wine towers, which what? is my first. Yeah, so it's <laughs> it's as great as it sounds. It's basically like some sort of contraption that holds five glasses of wine, so that you bring you like safely bring it to your table and can distance and it's not someone serving you your five glasses. You, you know, pick what you want and then you have a flight, but it's in like this amazing tower form. So go get a tower. Yeah, it was, (laughs) it was so bizarre, but I'm like very here for it. So definitely, (laughs) definitely get a chance to go and have a Michigan wine tower. Oh my gosh. That sounds amazing. Like who invented such a thing? What does it look like? Is it, we should, we should send them, probably some wine, whoever invented it. Cause yes. it, I can, I can like link a photo um, in the show notes for yeah. you, but Perfect. it's, it's kind of hard to describe, but I'll do that. And then yeah. um, my other awesome place I stayed in the area was on the Leelanau Peninsula and that was called Black Star Farms. So that was basically, it looks like a grand Kentucky estate. 
Ooh. kind of like a little red barn kind of yeah. kind of vibe. But it's really like a sprawling property that does have horse stables, has an inn, um, an on-site restaurant, distillery, like all the vines, all the fun stuff. And the wine here at Black Star Farms was actually my favorite of the whole trip. Mm. And actually just yesterday I had six more bottles delivered for the holidays because <laughs> free shipping if you buy six. Oh, so <laughs> yeah. So there, um, and what I thought was really noteworthy was this is not like a, a region, um, that gets a ton of press for its wine. And I really think that should change. Okay. So, and part of what was the most interesting was their dry Riesling actually won best in the world at the Canberra Riesling competition in 2018. Really? That's really interesting. Yeah, so that's only the second time an American wine has ever won that competition. And oh, that's like beating out old world mainstays that are known for Riesling, like, you know, like Germany, Germany, Austria. <laughs> yeah. Like watch out Austria. Sorry, grandpa, but your crown got taken. Oh man. So, yeah, so I thought that was just really amazing. And I, I think I actually bought the last bottle of that award-winning wine, but all of their other, other wine was awesome, too. I loved every white wine I tried there. Mm. So could you paint a picture of an amazing couple's day out or a night out in Traverse City? Let's, uh, let's envision post-COVID vacation days. So I would say I would start with a sunrise hike at Old Mission Lighthouse, which is um, just completely beautiful. There's miles of trails and then you kind of end up watching the sunrise over the water and there's like soft white sand and it's mm. just completely stunning and beautiful forest. So I would definitely follow that by a day of wine tasting. So there's a ton of different properties you can go to, but I would uh, suggest the Traverse Wine Coast website for more information. Okay. Um, we focus our wine tasting on the Old Mission Peninsula because that was, you know, where we hiked in the morning. So I would suggest, um, besides Chateau Chantal, I would suggest Bowers Harbor, Mari Vineyards, and Briss Vineyards to your list. Okay. They all were like super code-friendly outdoor spaces that were just gorgeous and like really good wine towers and charcuterie wine boards towers. and yeah, more of, more <laughs> of the Michigan wine towers. So I would just say I, I loved, I loved that, um, that day of wine tasting after hiking. Um, and for probably the most date night option for, for dinner and maybe my favorite dinner of the whole trip was, um, at the boathouse, which is on old mission peninsula. Okay. It's this completely beautiful waterside restaurant. And my husband loved his Lake Michigan whitefish, which is obviously a staple up there. Yep. Um, I had the burrata, which was awesome. Oh, Very nice. into cheese over here, really oh, fresh. Yeah. Um, and then the staff was really friendly and amazing. And they recommended the tempura asparagus appetizer, which was oh, interesting, as good as it sounds. Um, and then just make sure you get a reservation beforehand because it's a really popular spot. So you'll want to um, kind of try to plan for when the sun will set uh-huh. and that it'll just be completely idyllic and wonderful. And oh, it's right lovely. by this little harbor. You'll see sailboats bobbing and it's it's just gorgeous. Oh, that does sound gorgeous. Good tip. Thank you for that. Yeah, of course. That's good to know. So then, you know, I, what else do we need to talk about in Traverse City before we head north? Well, you mentioned your kiddo's favorite fruit. Oh, I did. I forgot to ask you what is, what they are, you know, regionally the largest producers of. And I guess yes, you know, but we should I talk do. about that. Go ahead. Sure. So they're known for cherries. So the airport there in Traverse City is even called Cherry Capital Airport. So Traverse City kind of is Michigan's answer to Wisconsin's Door County, mm. which is another cherry capital, another like beautiful lakeside resort peninsula that's known as a really popular travel destination. Mm. Can you, did you get to tour the farms at all? Can you? I imagine you can. Um, I didn't do any of the agritourism that wasn't on the wine side, but they, I'm sure that they offer that kind of stuff and pick your own and, and all that good stuff. Mm. If the airport's named it, it, there's a good chance that there's a lot of cherry-based activities. But I yeah. will recommend the cherry pie at Grand Traverse Pie Company. Oh. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I had that dinner one time, and I did not regret it at all. <laughs> Delicious <laughs> and really like a fun, a fun way to kind of sample it. Um, and then there are some cherry wines you can get up there, too, although – 
that type of wine is not my favorite. It tends to be a, a touch sweeter than I prefer. Yeah, I was going to say, I bet there's some cherry wine, and I, I imagine it would be really sweet. I made some wine at one point, and it, yeah, a fruit wine, and it, the alcohol content tends to be pretty high, and it tends to be really sweet. But um, if there are any Schitt's Creek fans, you might yes. be thinking of the Moira Rose Herb Herlinger <laughs> wine commercial. <laughs> so yeah, so feel free to feel free to watch that if you haven't seen it on YouTube. So good! Oh my gosh, we you know we started watching that show, and then we like two episodes, and we're like, yeah, we just don't get it. And then it got to be pandemic time, and lockdown happened in England, and we're like, we're looking for something else to watch. And so we started in England, and by the time we were in the hotels for almost three months on that side and on this side, you know, between getting out of our house in England and getting into our house here. And so we just, you know, basically at night, we we were locked in. We couldn't do anything. We had to quarantine twice. And so we watched so much Shit's Creek, just like one episode after another. And we were just, you know, and we're watch- listening to it with headphones and so our kids can't, you know, hear it. And they're just like, what are you laughing at? And I, I found myself with tears rolling down my cheeks at one point for, I don't know why, but yeah, un, you know, Great unplanned show. and endorsement for Shit's Creek. So enjoy. <laughs> yeah. And I, I had to watch it. I started it and you just hate them at the beginning because they're terrible. Mm-hmm. But I had to start watching it three times before I finally like powered through season one and was like, oh. I get it. This yeah. show is amazing. It's probably like my second favorite comedy of all time after Parks and Rec. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So I, I, yeah. Anyway, go watch the yeah. fruit wine episode. It's in season one and you will not be disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's drive north to, is it Petoskey? It's Petoskey. Petoskey. All right. Yeah. Let's drive north to Petoskey. Where are, so we're now officially in the tip of the mitt, correct? Yes. So Petoskey is uh, the tip of the mitt. It's completely delightful and upscale. Okay. And they're, um, they're a really beautiful, beautiful destination. <coughs> Pardon me. Um, sorry, you didn't ask the question I thought you would ask. So oh, yes. now I'm trying to catch up my notes. Sorry. Yeah. So then, you know, if we're driving in and we're going to park, uh, what are we going to see and where are we going to park? Like, what does that look like? Sure. So actual town has plenty of street parking and like historic kind of old school Main Street vibes. Um, but on your way into town from Traverse City, there's also a stop you can make. It's at the Bay Harbor development, mm. which used to be like this huge blight on the shores of what is beautiful Lake Michigan. Mm-hmm. It was like multiple miles of shoreline where an abandoned cement plant was. Oh. And there were two or three developers that tried to, you know, fix that over the years, but either didn't have the funding or didn't have the vision or the community support. Uh, so finally, I think it was like Goldilocks and the Three Bears, and it was the third developer who um, who actually made it work. And now it's home to this completely gorgeous community. There's a yacht club. There's actually a, a Marriott Autograph Hotel there. Okay. Um, and then my husband golfed the golf course there, the quarry course at Bay Harbor. And he said it was one of his favorite courses ever. And I believe his actual quote was, it was so pretty, it made me forget how often I kept hitting my ball into the water. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I, you know, so if he likes, has he ever golfed in Scotland? He has not golfed in Scotland that I know, but I know his, uh, his uncles have been to St. Andrews, I think is the famous one up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of these golf courses are near the water because go figure island, but, um, in the air region, I think that's how they say it. They may say Ire, but, um, that's, that's where actually President Trump's golf course is. And we didn't even know that we were on it when we were on it. But I'll tell you, it is amazing. It is so beautiful. So if he likes golfing by the water, that uh, that region is a place to, to see. And also, you may not even intend really to get close to the water, but that wind is going to go and suck it into the ocean. <laughs> Well, there you go. I'll tell, maybe I can tell him he should blame his game on the wind in Michigan too. Cause it's windy on the shores of a big lake too. Oh yeah. That's the other thing that, um, is interesting to me about the Great Lakes is to think that there are lighthouses. I guess I, I just, just never 
thought that there would be a lighthouse there, but it makes sense. Why wouldn't there be? Of course there is. There's ships on there. But yeah. And I actually think there, this is a fun fact. I think Michigan actually has more lighthouses than any other state. I believe it's about 120 oh, wow. because it, you know, it does make sense with the two peninsulas that we already talked about. But it, uh, it is just a really natural, beautiful thing that dots the landscape up there. Yeah. And I'll oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, and it's interesting to hear that because I know people that collect lighthouses that like own lighthouses. I also know people that collect old post offices. So I wonder, yeah, I just wonder what kind of, what, how that happens there or if they're all owned by the state or anyway, thinking out loud. Um, I'm not sure, but I think I need more friends like you because I collect wine <laughs> fridges and I'm at number three and it is full. So. <laughs> yeah, you better drink up. You've got six bottles inbound. Watch out. Yep, I do. I do. <laughs> um, and I also wanted to talk about Petoskey too, because they have this really famous drive since, okay. you know, road trips are king this year. Yep. There's this spot called the Tunnel of Trees, which is like Michigan 119. Mm-hmm. And it kind of hugs the lake from about like Harbor Springs past Goodhart. And when we visited, it was the fall. So it was total fall colors showing off, um, which I really loved. And then they also have really good hiking at Petoskey. We were in like the heavily forested area called McCune Nature Preserve, which is great for hiking. Pretty flat, too. So good for all ages. Mm. Um, And then one thing that really struck me um, with my time here is this tiny town in northern Michigan used to have a Saks Fifth Avenue because that's how many people vacationed there. Oh, wow. Like it had enough, you know, traffic from Detroit and Chicago that they had a Saks, which is just insane to me. Um, but even now it has really great shopping. The downtown's super cute. Uh, it has a lot of murals that kind of harken oh, back like to the that. history of the place. Yeah. And it's such a, like a tourism and economic driver to have beautiful murals and, you know, great to support local artists in that way too. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to call out my favorite shop in Petoskey mm-hmm. and it's American Spoon, which is as cute as it sounds. It's like a <laughs> small batch. It's, oh, it's so cute. It's a small batch artisan producer and they make like a lot of jams and, and kind of cooking things. Um, their oh, cherry cool. peach salsa is unsurprisingly a top seller, but I also picked up thimbleberry, which was a new to me berry that's grown in Michigan. Hmm. Um, and it has been making my charcuterie boards a little more interesting this fall. Um, and then their raspberry preserve was also completely outstanding. That's my kind of store. I mean, my family, if you saw my, mother's pantry my family's canners so they go out blackberry picking and everything so i mean that's right up my alley they would appreciate it and makes a good gift and yeah um i really i loved it and they usually have a little gelato shop too but it was closed for covid times so i will have to revisit in another year and try the gelato yeah because they're in striking distance for you so that's cool that's cool. Yeah, not too far at all. Yeah. All right, so let's go whining and dining. Is there anything the area is known for? Sure. So what I loved the most about Petoskey was the name of their AVA, which, as we remember, is American Viticultural Area. Mm-hmm. Um, their AVA is actually called Tip of the Mitt. Oh, so cool. totally inspired the whole episode. Um, <laughs> and it's just like a wonderful quirk. Um, and it's Michigan's newest AVA, so I believe it was designated in 2016. So they have an entire, like, Petoskey wine region wine trail. So the area does mm. – it's a little colder than Traverse City because it's further north, but they do a really nice job of embracing some of, like, the hybrid cold-weather grapes that oh, okay. have been famously developed, actually, by the University of Minnesota. Um, and if you're not familiar, you can look for names like Frontenac, Itasca, and La Crescent, which mm. are all spots on the Mississippi River, uh, which flows right through the University of Minnesota campus. Um, and it's kind of cool to see, like, that's how you can kind of know it's a hybrid grape when it has a name like that. Oh, okay. Good to know. Yeah. And so I got a chance to explore a lot of the wineries on the Petoskey Wine Trail, but my favorites were Pond Hill Farm which is this massive property. They even have like wood-fired pizza on Friday nights, massive outdoor sitting area. There's a trout pond you can hike to. Oh, cool. And they also make cider, which Michigan is known for too. And their Tunnel Vision cider had this beautiful psychedelic label and was right by the Tunnel of Trees. That's oh, where cool. this place is. So definitely check that out. I also really liked uh, Walloon Lake Winery. 
They have um, a Windermere white that I liked. And then Petoskey Farms Winery had a really good look crescent. And they also make a pet nat every year, which is like a whimsical sparkling wine that's made like in an ancestral method. So winemakers are pretty into it. Um, so I liked their pet Nat and I know I saw from their Instagram that they're working on another one this year. Mm. And I wrote a whole article about this for chilled magazine. So I'll link that for you guys. Oh, cool. Yeah. And I also went to a maple winery, which who even knew that was a thing like from maple sap for maple yeah. syrup. So no, hmm. it's from like, it's, they're called like the first maple winery in the u.s i mean it's interesting because if you've ever been to like a maple is it a maple still i don't know we know where they go and they boil all of the sugar yeah they call them sugar shacks don't they? sugar shacks yeah i mean it is a i mean it's a fire waiting to happen but it's amazing and but let's add alcohol to it now (laughs) yeah and but i mean it's so sugary but it it really comes out very what do i want to say like Viscous? No, not viscous. Yeah. No, that's the word. That's definitely the word. Yeah. And so they have to boil it down until it gets to its syrupy, you know, what you would see coming out of a bottle to that consistency. And so it makes sense that you have this thing already with natural sugars in it that you could ferment. But yep. I would have never thought to do it. Me either. But it, you know, it's like a family run place and they're like very happy to tell you the story and the inspiration. And I really enjoyed it. It was, it was definitely too sweet for my taste, but I still like loved people doing something inventive. Mm-hmm. And, uh, their top seller was the maple gold, which kind of was a little bourbony. So it's, if you've had wine that's been oh. aged in a bourbon barrel, mm-hmm. it would be similar. So I did like that one. And I also, they made maple ice cream, which was mm-hmm. to die for. And mm-hmm. I used to work at Dairy Queen for a million years. So I know my ice cream. My dad owns the Dairy <laughs> Queen I worked at too. So it's like, I am the Dairy Queen. So I am um, the Dairy Queen. <laughs> I am. I am. So if you get a chance to get the maple ice cream, they had it in ice cream sandwich form. Oh, cool. And I like almost didn't save it for my husband. It was so good. I was like, maybe I should just eat his too and not tell him about it. Cause that's how unbelievably good the maple <laughs> ice cream was. Yeah, I went to one called Turtle Farm, I think, in, it was in Massachusetts, and they make their own ice cream that you can buy, I think, only on site and maybe in the local Whole Foods, but it's maple bacon ice cream. And you would think, that's weird. However, you can buy bacon that's maple flavored, so it makes sense. So it was a little bit of a weird, like, this is a meat snack in ice cream, but it was good, so... Um, and I had two more things I wanted to mention about the food and stuff in the area too. Yeah, go for it. So Lake Michigan whitefish is definitely a staple up in Northern Michigan. Uh, I had some great Lake Michigan whitefish in Traverse City too, mm-hmm. but in Petoskey, there was a classic wood planked version. Okay. So just really old school, like with Parmesan potatoes around it on an actual wood plank. Oh. And that was at the Terrace Inn and 1911 restaurant in Bayview, which is just outside of Petoskey. So definitely check that out. It's kind of like this beautiful old Victorian inn and it's, it's gorgeous. Mm. And then there's actually a casino in the area, which I don't oh. like to gamble, but this casino had a certified sommelier on staff at their restaurant. So we really, were very impressed with the wine list and I had really good, I think it was mushroom gnocchi at this oh, stage yeah. restaurant at the casino in Petoskey. So um, I think that Petoskey has a lot of really great dining options. Yeah. And when, you know, sometimes outside of Vegas, you don't get great dining or really anything in some of the casinos, but that's good to know that there, there's that option. So then anything, okay. Well, now that is that all for the food and wine? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think, I think we're good. I think we're full. So now that we're full, then we need to be tucked in to bed. Where are we staying? What are the options like? So I mentioned the autograph property in Bay Harbor. Mm-hmm. Um, it picture like the Hotel Coronado in San Diego. Okay. So, you know, stark white walls and that gorgeous red roof. Yes. So that's an option, especially for Marriott Points members. Um, but nice. I actually prefer to stay in town and kind of be able to explore by foot. Sure. So I would suggest staying at Stafford's Perry Hotel, which had a really, really good breakfast. They had like bomb chicken and waffles. <laughs> and we we had this gorgeous balcony view. So if you can, definitely try to get a lake view. Um, there are a handful of rooms that have balconies on the front of them. Mm. And it, it's like a really nice mix of cozy and historic where you can tell that it's, you know, like 
Ernest Hemingway stayed there because Petoskey has really interesting Hemingway history. Mm. So, you know, it's like an old historic property, but it had the updates, the modern updates that you want, like a really nice shower. Um, And then also for Airbnb options, if you are doing like a longer term stay or if you, you know, prefer Airbnbs over hotels, there are definitely some cool like downtown and waterfront ones. Mm. So just check those out uh, if that's your preference. That's interesting. I did not realize there was an Ernest Hemingway connection there because I've been to, you know, I've been to Key West and that was fascinating. Um, but I did not realize that he, that yeah. guy's everywhere. Yep. So it's actually where, so Hemingway grew up in Oak Park in Chicago. Um, and it's where he spent his childhood summers at the family cottage on Walloon Lake. Huh. And they say cottage in Michigan, which is unlike what I grew up in, in Minnesota and, and Wisconsin, we say cabin or lake house. Mm-hmm. But in Michigan, it's always cottage. So there's actually um, a Michigan Hemingway Society that's based in Petoskey. And I did this awesome Hemingway history walking tour. Um, and then I would really suggest that they have a couple different Hemingway options. Uh, and there's even a statue of Hemingway downtown, and he's actually wearing a mask right now during COVID oh times, okay. which I thought, I thought was, like, very cute. Um, so I really enjoyed learning a lot more about um, the Hemingway connections there because you always think, like, Paris, Key West, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. he actually had really, you know, formative moments of his life in northern Michigan, and they do a, a really nice job highlighting that, and I, I was really impressed with my tour. Awesome. That's good to know. So um, do you think Hemingway would be a mask wearer or a non-mask wearer? You know, it's hard to say. I think at different points in his life, there would be different <laughs> different things. But, you know, we'll we'll have to ask the folks at the Michigan, Michigan Hemingway Society, and I bet they would have an answer for us. All right. We'll, we'll ask the different regions and see what they each say, because it'll be a different a different snapshot of his life. <laughs> Okay. So then what else should we talk about for Potoski? Anything? Potoski. Sure. Sorry, Potoski. No, I, I did that before I got there too. It's like, uh, in Oregon, everyone wants to say Willamette Valley, but uh-huh. it's Willamette. Oh, I didn't know and that. And they either. have, yeah, they have t-shirts that say it's Willamette, damn it. So oh, that's but that, funny. that can be an entire other episode because I like <laughs> that area too. Okay. Um, so I would say Potoski feels like a little bit undiscovered mm-hmm. because about 70% of its yearly visitors to the area come from in Michigan, like in-state visitors. Mm. So I don't know. And, you know, I'm from Minnesota. That's not far. And I had never been to Petoskey before, and I can't wait to go back. So I feel like hopefully more and more people find out about this area because it is truly really special and really stunning. Mm. And it does still have a little bit of the undiscovered vibe because of the in-state amount of visitors. Yeah. And I also wanted to mention, um, for any geology nerds out there, uh, Petoskey stones are really fascinating and popular. So they're actually tiny fossilized coral and they're only found in the area. So you, there are multiple places where you can hunt for Petoskey stones and it's a really fun for all ages type of activity as well. Oh, so that is right up our alley because my son is so into dinosaurs. I mean, if, you say, hi, Joey, he might just actually give you a very loud roar. He's so into dinosaurs. And in England, if you don't know, it's a hotbed of fossil activity, like as far as it, it washes out of the beaches. So you can just wash, walk the beach and pick up ammonites and these little fossilized clamshells, all kinds of stuff. Just, you know, just you just walk there and pick it up. It's just amazing. And so we like that sort of thing. And whereas the wine wouldn't necessarily draw my son into wanting to visit Michigan, fossil hunting would. So that's a great tip. And to help you keep your kids, we will have them there for the fossils and not for the wine. <laughs> that's that's right. <laughs> but you can go for the wine and they, they can go for the fossils. I that's thought right. that was really cool, too. There's even a couple shops that have like a little entrance that's all Petoskey stones. So you can kind of oh. see what they look like. And if you talk to the tourism board, they'll be able to suggest some state parks and areas where you're allowed to go look for them. Okay. Because um, we always want to be respectful of nature, obviously. Yep. But it's, uh, I really thought that was a very cool uh, thing the region was known for. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. That's neat. Okay, so then um, let us head to Beaver Island then. We're going to keep going. And I am loving these next two island stops. They seem pretty different from each other. So um, 
you know, let's, okay, let's just get into Beaver Island as far as how did you get there? Sure. So I didn't know Beaver Island existed before my trip, but I'm so glad that my husband thought of this. This was his contribution. This was his place he wanted to go. Nice. So Beaver Island is kind of tricky. So it's only accessible by ferry, which is from uh, Charlevoix, which is between Petoskey and Traverse City. So they have a ferry you can schedule to take your car over and you have to schedule back. So make sure you do that ahead of time. Um, you can obviously get there by private boat or by plane. So guests can fly to the island. They have two airlines that run charter flights there from a couple different spots. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can fly yourselves, which is what I did, um, which are really the perks of being married to a pilot are sometimes pretty solid. Oh, we have to so, talk about that then. My husband's just getting all spun up again. Keep going. Yeah. So uh, we flew in ourselves and there are actually two airports on this island. So it's it's kind of a cool remote place. Mm. Okay, so then um, I've seen it listed as America's Emerald Island. And, you know, why is that? Where does it get its glimmering, green, glowing reputation from? So it's called the Emerald Island because of all the Irish descendants who still live there, which is really interesting because you can see street names with Irish last names like Gallagher. Mm -hmm. And then the names of businesses on the island really embrace the Irish past. So like the the deli that had the best bagel sandwiches ever is called like Dalwini Bakery and Deli and has an Irish flag right in front. <laughs> the, the grocery store next door is called McDonough's Market and it's still run by the same like old timey five generation family. Um, so and it's also not a very developed island, which means you also get the green that comes with pristine natural beauty. Awesome. I was wondering if the water was because I some of the pictures I've as we were talking about before, the water, you know, might mimic the Caribbean, if you will. And so I was wondering if it was from the water, but I get it. Nature, trees. Okay. So then um, it strikes me as a destination for nature lovers, and it seems fairly remote, but not without modern amenities, you know, though limited. Uh, what's your take on that as far as are you going to be strand? Like, I don't know. Tell me, Tell me what your take on that is. Sure. So I totally agree. It's remote, but it still has Wi-Fi in certain places, which is, you know, my part of the modern amenities that I need to do my job. Yep. Um, so for nature lovers who enjoy spending time outside, uh, you can kind of like rent bikes to explore the beauty of the island. Um, if you want to spend some time on the water, Happy Paddle is the company that I was aware of. And they do everything from kayak tours to shipwreck snorkeling, which is really big oh. in the Great Lakes. If you okay. didn't know, no, it's idea. like its no. whole, yeah, it's like its whole thing, freshwater snorkeling and, um, stand up paddle boards. And this company also offers the bikes too, to rent. Um, we actually did more of the walking and exploring town sites, but I've heard that the, there's some good hiking on the island too. Yeah. And then as far as like amenities, Beaver Island has like a handful of good restaurants, which is what you need. Um, the only thing I thought it could use would be a little bit more of like an upscale lodging option. Mm-hmm. Now, I saw the reason I was asking you this question about, you know, the remoteness and the amenities is because I started with my research on this on on Mackinac Island, which people will get when we get there. But um, how did you get from the private airport into town? So they usually have one guy with a with a card that he uses as a taxi and you just have to like get his number from a local and he'll drive you around. That's uh, amazing. But he was he was on vacation and uh, they do have car rental but by the time we had gotten to this part of our trip um we like had kind of forgotten to rent a car. So thankfully the Beaver Island Lodge where we stayed the first night Mm-hmm. I called him up and said, Hey, this is the situation. There are no cars to rent. The one taxi guy that's not even a real taxi is not answering. Right. And he goes, Oh, I'll come get you. So <laughs> it's basically like the kindness of strangers totally it. made it work and they were beyond lovely. So then, um, you know, you know, getting back to your husband as the pilot of this whole adventure. What did he do while you were, you know, doing all of this exploring on Beaver Island or did you do it mostly together? So, it, like I said, it was his idea to visit Beaver Island because, uh, and his name is Skip. Skip likes to vacation where the people aren't. So this was perfect. Whereas yeah. like I like a good city break 
Skip wants to be like on a beach where there are no other people. Yeah. So um, what we really did was, like I said, enjoyed exploring Beaver Island by foot. Um, we mostly did everything together. We kind of walked to like the Whiskey Point Lighthouse. We walked to the deli a couple of days. Um, but next time we would love to have our poop in a group and rent a car. Um, <laughs> so do not be like us. Try to rent a car ahead of time or take your own on the ferry, like I mentioned. Um, just make sure you book your way back because I was told a lot of times people don't do that and then they get stuck. So uh, just make sure you rent a car and do or rent your set up the ferry for both to get there and back before you go to Beaver Island. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing I wanted to mention is Beaver Island is famous for something called boodle or boodling. I have no which, idea what a boodle is. I mean, I'm about to tell you. Okay. So, it's this somehow sanctioned slash accepted uber slow booze cruise. Like you drink <laughs> beer with your friends while driving at a glacial pace. I assume there's a designated driver and it takes like four hours to drive around the whole island. And it's like this thing that they do and that they're known for. And so, I mean, I got to get a car next time so I can boodle myself. Oh, so you boodle yourself. You don't hire a boodler. Um, mostly locals will like ask you if you want to go. That's what I've heard. <laughs> uh, I love this. Okay. People don't be, don't be introverts. Make some local friends. You can be invited to a boodle. There you go. And there also was like a maritime history museum on the island. Uh, and that was in St. James is the main settlement uh, on Beaver Island. And this little cute museum celebrates the role of Beaver Island in the Lake Michigan fishing industry. Mm. Um, it was closed the day that I walked to it, but it looked really cute and informative. So I would add that to as like a nice little cultural option while you're on the island. All right. Well, we know that you spent the night on the <coughs> island. So let's give a shout out to them for their kindness. Anything you want to talk about for where you stayed? Sure. So we did two nights on the island. Um, one was at the Charming and Rustic Beaver Island Lodge, and that's the guy who saved us at the airport. Um, Johan was his name. Um, and that was really, really beautiful. We, you know, were tired from the journey and checked in and went to stand on our balcony. And it's so close to the water that you can actually see fish swimming in oh, the wow. lake. That's so amazing. I know. And I, I mean, it. I've never had that happen before. It was really, really cool. And then our next night, um, we actually stayed at the Beaver Island Retreat, which was this totally amazing glamping spot that was more inland. And um, the purveyors are lovely. They're, they just like are just lovely, lovely, warm people, like the total people who should be in hospitality. Oh, wonderful. And um, every tent, which I believe they have 30, every tent kind of has its own personality or something special about it. So mm-hmm. they put us in the stargazing tent. Oh, cool. So ours had, it's kind of like this beautiful glamping with, you know, a bed and everywhere for your clothes. And they even have chargers for your phone. And then you have like a living room in nature. So there's a fire pit, there's a picnic table, there's a hammock, you know, there's chairs, there's all this stuff that you can cook and have a camp stove and everything. Um, oh, nice. And it just was, it was completely amazing. Um, even, and it was a little chilly when we were there. It's obviously seasonal. I believe they're open like March to October, but uh, we are there in September and the night it was chilly. They even brought like old school hot water bottles to us. Oh, charming. Which just felt like you were at an inn in the 1800s in the best way. And um, there's also this beautiful area for everybody to congregate. There's, you know, a big fire pit and they have like a little bar. So guests can come and, you know, drink Michigan wine and hang out. And uh, this year for COVID, they only had four tents at a time. So we had plenty of space to to actually like meet people, but still be socially distanced and uh, and safe. And it was really lovely. And then they also have showers near the community area that were really nice. And I'm not like about the shower situation. Yeah. So I'm not like a a camper person. (laughs) That's not what I, I, I have done it. I do not love it, but I loved this glamping because it had like the shower, the bathrooms were heated. So it's not like it was any skin off my back to walk, you know, a few minutes to go to a bathroom facility. So I thought they were gorgeous. And then also because of our lack of rental car, these lovely owners 
just were like, no, you can borrow our car. Just you should go to dinner here. And so they really went above and beyond to make us feel welcomed and to kind of help us in our time of need and being stranded with no car. That's awesome. I, I just love those stories of people just being kind. That's great. So then um, did you want to brag about any of the dining? Yes, actually. So those bagel sandwiches that I mentioned at the deli in town were delightful. And they even have like avocado toast. If any basic people want to go get some <laughs> avocado toast, which I'm not above either. If I had stayed another day, I would have gotten that. Um, and the coffee was <laughs> the coffee was really good in town, too, at the deli. Um, for dinner, we really liked the restaurant at the Beaver Island Lodge, which is where we stayed that first night. My scallops were really, really delightful. Mm. Um, and then we actually made friends with another couple at who was at dinner and ended up like staying up late and like boozing and having a really fun time with them. So that was really a really fun thing. Nice. And then uh, the second night we went to Circle M and they made us like a special surf and turf because they happened over here that I was trying to get my husband to get steak and I was going to get lobster so we could surf and turf it. Oh, yeah. And they, they were like, <laughs> oh, we can just do that for you. Like it wasn't on the menu. Oh, nice. And I wasn't going to ask. I was just trying to like force it to happen. <laughs> and <laughs> so I would say the hospitality on the island was just second to none. They, I mean, everybody was beyond lovely and friendly. And, um, you can also plan ahead and use like the glamping cooking options because they do have a fire and a stove and all of the supplies you need for a really mm-hmm. nice outdoor kitchen. Mm-hmm. So I would just suggest like stocking up in town um, on the mainland beforehand or at the grocery in town um, because that's another really good option. And I would like to do a long, more longer term stay there and mm-hmm. I would plan ahead with food like that. Well, maybe we'll both fly in, but I'll be bringing kids, so watch out. <laughs> well, then we'll have to leave the kids with your husband because we need to go to the Shamrock, which okay. is the best dive bar in town. <laughs> I don't maybe know we'll if my get hand can tolerate that. I, we're getting to the point where we're like, can the big one wash the little one? Are we at that point? <laughs> Almost. But we maybe we can meet a local at the Shamrock who will take us boodling. Oh my gosh, that'd be so funny. Oh, and then, yeah. yeah. All right, good. We'll let the kids have the cameras. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so then anything else on Beaver Island before we move on to our last stop? Sure. So, um, I'm all about fun facts when it comes to travel. So yes. I really liked learning that Beaver Island is actually the largest island in all of Lake Michigan. Hmm. So, which is really cool. So it's, it's really remote. It's really cool. And I would be lying if I said I wasn't checking Zillow constantly trying to find a semi-affordable house there. How'd you do? Um, I mean, it's really expensive to build there. So I was told if I was actually interested, which I am not, I am not actually going to buy a house on Beaver Island, but you know, Zillow surfing is the great American pastime during the pandemic. There's just a New York <laughs> times article about it. So I hey, will, for I will me, say, I turned it into reality. I bought a house. So <laughs> there you go. So yeah, so definitely check out the Beaver Island Zillow. It's really fun and, and, and beautiful. And then, um, Another weird little historical thing is there was a Mormon king who basically ran Beaver Island for six years. So it's kind of oh considered gosh. like the only monarchy in the U.S. ever. And huh. I'm, I'm working on pitching this story because I was a history major. So I just really like covering some of those weirder historical angles. Yeah, that is bizarre. I mean, yeah, he, he got assassinated by his own people. So it's huh. it's really interesting. This used to be like a like kind of Mormon colony. So Interesting. It's, I know. So we've proved yet again that monarchies don't work in the United States of America. All right. They do not. They, they do, do not. not. Oh my goodness. Okay. Anything else? Um, no, I think we're good. Beaver Island was, was really, really, really cool. And I would love to go back. All right. Yeah. I want to go. All right. Well, let's move on to the most glamorous and exclusive part of our audio road trip today. Let's get into, well, you can announce it. Where are we going? We are going to Mackinac Island, which you've probably seen. It's pronounced Mackinac, but spelled Ah, Mackinac. 
Ah, uh, see, I'm just not from the Northwest. I, or I just don't know these things or the Midwest. So, all right. That's why you're here to tell me about it. All right. So let's discuss Mackinac Island. I have been on several of the U.S.'s kind of exclusive islands, if you will. I lived on Martha's Vineyard for five months. I've done some Catalina uh, Island uh, jaunts uh, out of California. But this place is uh, really unique and a little bit over the top in a lot of ways. And it's kind of like a living throwback postcard. So what struck you first, first about the island when you first set foot on it? Sure. So it really does look like a postcard. So my first impression was flying into the island. Um, and that was seeing the bridge was the one that connects the upper peninsula to the lower peninsula mm-hmm. is one of the longest suspension bridges in the world. So oh, wow. that was really, really super impressive to behold. And I believe it's just called the Mackinac Bridge, actually. Um, and it's over the Straits of Mackinac. So and the color of the water, like we've said before, it looks like the Caribbean and Mackinac is in Lake Huron. So it's, we're in a different body of water now, but it is completely stunning and turquoise and like it just takes your breath away. Mm. And you also notice the lack of cars right away. Yes. So from landing at the airport, we had to get a horse taxi. We There's a number on a board there. And you just call and say, I'm at the airport and I need to go to the Grand Hotel. And they will say, okay, we'll be there in 10 minutes. And then there's just a horse that comes and gets you. So that's <laughs> really what I noticed. Um, but if you uh, do not feel like doing that, you can also get regular ferries from both the UP and the Lower Peninsula. So it's not as hard to get to as Beaver Island. Yeah, when I was on their website, or one of, I was on several, but the first thing that I noticed right away was the horses and that there's no cars on the island at all, correct? There were, there's like a couple like service, like there was someone that was cutting down a tree, so they had like a service vehicle. Okay. But it's basically like you need like a special permit. So part of the charm is that there are no cars. So yeah. they really go out of their way to ensure that that stays the way that it is. Yeah. Cause like, you know, on, on Catalina Island, you can have a car, but you have to wait till someone else takes their car off the island and it's like a lottery and waiting game and all this, like, there's crazy, you know, fees you have to pay for it. And if I remember correctly, but I was reading about the horses and that. You know, even the people that do, like, you know, they fell trees or whatever, they have these incredibly long, like, flat, I don't know, like a, a, well, I don't know, like a flatbed truck, but you pull up behind a team of horses to do this work. And that, you know, you can, instead of renting a car, you can actually rent a carriage for a self-drive carriage ride. And I thought that I read it wrong, but I didn't. And to me, I was like, this is like Americans driving in the UK for the first time or something, but with live animals. So (laughs) did you do the self-drive carriage ride and uh, was it terrifying? So I was not interested in that. Um, I just (laughs) don't mess with massive animals as like a general life rule. Yeah. Um, But we really did love the horse taxi to and from the airport. That was super cool. Um, but the rest of the time, because we were staying at the Grand Hotel, we could walk. So mm. town was, you know, a 10 minute jaunt and all the hiking and everything we needed was, was really available just walk. I didn't actually see anybody driving a carriage themselves, but we did see advertisements for it. So it is a real thing. I can say from on the ground reporting that they do advertise this. So it must be a real option for the adventurous, mm. but that was not. What I, you know, we didn't need a car there. We really could make it work by foot for us. Oh man, I'm so doing it. I'm so doing it. And, you know, I have to fight my kids for the reins, but I'm doing it. It's all right. (laughs) I believe in you. I empower you to make that decision. (laughs) So let's talk about uh, one of the things that I've seen posted so many places is the fudge on the island. Apparently it's somewhat famous. So how much fudge did you eat? Um, I both ate and bought a lot of fudge because mm. part of what I like to do is try to get thoughtful gifts from the places I visit during the year because mm. I'm a travel writer. Yes. So I did buy a lot of fudge to pair with, you know, the wine and cheese baskets I did for friends this year, oh, uh, friends and family. So I bought a ton because there are fudge shops everywhere and the island smells like fudge. Two kinds oh. of fudge. You smell the horse and you also <laughs> smell the, the other kind of fudge. Um, so 
What I would say I ate the most of was the Mackinac Island fudge ice cream that's available all over. And, you know, in September, it's still warm. So you'd still want ice cream and you're, you know, you can sit outside and enjoy it while it melts and just kind of look at the beautiful town. And, you know, you feel like you're in that, that living postcard. Ah, cool. Yeah. So interesting fact. Hershey, Pennsylvania is the same way that when the breeze is right, you smell both the farms and the chocolate. Which makes you maybe not want to eat the chocolate, but you do anyway because it's delicious. So yeah, you got to power through that. Like you know, power the horses it. are charming. This is the price we pay, and it's, <laughs> I'm sorry that that price is worth it. It's worth it. <laughs> so now we've had all the fudge. What are you washing down with? Any local ales? I know that Michigan is as a very up. Um, you know, I mean, maybe they're even at the top of destinations for microbrews in the U.S. Is there a brew or a beer or a wine scene on the island? So Michigan as a whole is a super well-known beverage scene. So I've talked a little bit about how good the wine was, um, but they're also really known for cider and for craft beer. Um, like Bell's in uh, more southern Michigan is awesome. Like Kalamazoo, I think, is one of those places that has like the most microbreweries per capita. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely a very good beverage scene state. So in like on the island itself, the restaurants do a nice job of stocking in-state drink options. So you'll just want to talk to your waiter and try and buy some local local products um, mm-hmm. in the drink realm. I enjoyed some Lilanau Rosé at the Pink Pony, which is right on the water. And they have oh, this nice. great deck. Um, we had like a beautiful lunch there with like local cheese. Um, and then there's also a brewery on the island, but I okay. did not make it there because I'm a, I like 90% of the time will drink wine. Okay. That's good to know. But good to know that there's one there for people that want to check it out. Yep, for sure. And it's always good to try and try some, you know, people are doing something different and unique. You want to kind of go support what you know is a local business. Right. Absolutely. Okay. So then if you were to stay there for a week, I mean, is there enough to do for a week? What would you do? So I would say Mackinac is pretty known for um, like the biking. So there's a trail that goes all the way around the island. So you can rent a bike and do that. Um, I didn't actually do that because I prefer to hike. So we hiked a little bit more. Um, and like there are there, there's some really unbelievable trails. My favorite views were from the Pontiac Trail where you can see like the Round Island Lighthouse and you're right by all those amazing cottages that the island is known for. So um, I would I would suggest hiking and biking if you're there for a week. And we also did a sunrise kayak tour with Great Turtle Kayaks. Yeah. And that was really, really cool, even though it was like a little frosty that day. Um, They have both guided and private tours for kayaks and stand-up paddle boards. Okay. And I thought that was such a neat way to see some of the sights and hear the history. And our guide was wonderful. And I would really, really recommend that. Um, I kayak pretty often uh, at, we have a cabin in Minnesota, so I'm like a pretty decent kayaker and I felt like a little bit like I was going to tip over. So I would just say, you know, just really listen to your guide. I obviously didn't flip, but listen to your guide and do one of the sunrise ones because there's going to be no traffic in the harbor. Oh yeah. And, um, you'll still feel safe because they stay in a pretty protected area. So just for people that are less comfortable on the water, just make sure you, you know, talk about your, your feelings with your guide. Yeah. And as someone who has been thrown out of several whitewater rafts and, and canoes and kayaks over the years in fast moving water, be honest with your guide about how experienced you are. So, yep. Cause it's, and unpleasant. then for, for sure. And for kayaks, it's, you know, you just want to keep your core strong and stable and you can feel it move and they'll give you all the hints you need. You're obviously in a life jacket anyway, cause we're, we're safe travelers. That's right. Um, but they do a really nice job. All their guides are trained with extra safety measures and CPR and, you know, they, mm-hmm. they really know what they're doing, but you can see like there's, uh, Cabo's famous for its El Arco formation, mm-hmm. but there's actually like a famous arch on Mackinac. And there's all these crazy love stories that are with all these certain places you're going. And I just think it's, uh, it's, I have to say the sunrise kayak tour was one of my favorite takeaways from, from that island. Um, and then, like I said, we stayed at the Grand Hotel. So that is the famous, you know, somewhere in time, Christopher Reeves Mm -hmm. movie. Um, which I watch every year with my aunts. So it was, yeah. Oh yeah. My dad's (laughs) sisters love it. So it was really cool to see it and to see something I'd seen on the screen so often. Mm -hmm. And because this is one of those, you know, 
old school grand dame like resort hotels. They have some really interesting offerings and programs that other hotels don't have. Mm-hmm. So they actually have an on staff like full time historian. Oh neat. Which is which is super rare. Yeah, there's only two properties in the whole country that do that. And the other one is the Greenbrier in West Virginia. So oh, interesting. Yeah, so he actually had a lecture, like at least one lecture every day. So it's a real treat for us nerdy travelers. Um, I did like an early history of the hotel lecture that was totally fascinating. Hmm. Um, and then the Grand also has some really good on-site dining. We like the Jockey Club the best. It's less fancy than like the formal dining room. Okay. Um, and then the hotel also claims to have the longest porch in the world with, oh. you know, the famous picture of all the rocking chairs. Yes. So even if you're not, oh, absolutely. Even if you're not staying there, make sure you get a beverage and like, or four and sit there and kind of experience the porch for yourself. That's wonderful. Would you link the movie in the sh- uh, in your notes so that I can remember that? Absolutely. Okay, Happy cool. to. Cool. And then um, I was going to also add the architecture of the Victorian cottages is really a sight to behold. Like mm-hmm. even if you're not in, into architecture or don't know that it's, you know, Queen Anne Victorian versus blah, blah, blah. Um, I would consider taking like a walking tour to view those. Um, the West Bluff cottages are some of the prettiest and they all have those like National Historic Register signs in front that kind of detail like the names of the cottages and kind of when they were built. And it's just really beautiful. Um, and you can even rent that self-driving carriage if you want to go go do the architecture tour nice. yourself that way. Nice. Then I would be worried, like, am I going to run the horses into the property because I'm looking at the property. But I imagine those horses are kind of like a trail horse where they just follow the butt of the horse in front of them. They know where they're going. So that yeah, would, they, yeah. yeah, I don't think they're too too aggressive, these horses. <laughs> they give you the old ones. They're not going above five miles an hour. That's it. And that's enough. Yep, we're fine with that. That's fine. All right, so then is there anything we've missed on Mackinac Island? I don't think so. I would just say it's definitely really cool. I recommend everybody go at least once because it's one of those destinations that has such a strong sense of place and history that it should be on everybody's bucket list. Mm. Um, but it is a little pricier than some other destinations. Um, so I would say like if you don't want to splurge for a night at the Grand Hotel, which really is where you should stay if you're going to be on the island, mm-hmm. um, it, it's a really, really, really beautiful property. Um, they have, like I said, the ferries from both the Upper Peninsula and the Lower Peninsula. So day trips via ferry is a really easy way to at least see the island. Yeah. And then you can stay somewhere on the mainland if it's not in your budget to stay at the Grand. Um, and that way you at least get to experience it and walk around and, you know, maybe go see the fort or rent a bike and still do Mackinac stuff. Obviously buy some fudge. But of course. <laughs> um, if you're going to go, you know, maybe save up and stay at the Grand because it is is an experience. Wonderful, wonderful. Katie, I just want to say thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really appreciate you taking your time and, you know, sharing your experience with us. And, um, yeah, I hope that we get to do this again sometime. Yes, I have tons of other destinations I'd love to explore with you. And, uh, I think your listeners would really love. So thank you so much for having me. Yeah, that's wonderful. I, I hope we do it again. All right. This is Megan Chapa of the Travel Radio Podcast saying thank you for listening and have a great day. All right. Bye bye. You, my friend, have made a great choice by selecting this podcast, and there are other great choices like the Hey Travelpreneur podcast waiting for you at travmarketmedia.com.